Listen, every guest that I have on this show is an honor. But to have Melody Beatty, author of the landmark book, Codependent No More, was an honor on another level for me. If you haven't heard of Codependent No More, it is a groundbreaking book, one of the most well-known and well-read self-help and relationship books of all time. And Melody has re-released it this year with new content that brings the book into the 21st century. Codependent No More was originally written in 1986, coincidentally the year I was born, and revised in 1992. 30 years later, the book remains a classic, but as we all know, much has happened in the self-help and relationship space in the past 30 years, and Melody saw fit to update it, and I'm so thankful that she did. As you'll hear me talk about in the show, I read this book at a pivotal point in my dating life about six or seven years ago, and it changed me to my core. I am a much better person for having read this book, and I think most, if not all, who have read it, the gazillions of us that have, would say the same. Melody Beatty is an absolute legend in this space, and she and I had a wonderful talk offline where I basically profusely thanked her for the impact she has made on me. I will never forget it. So, who is this remarkable woman who brought the world this remarkable message? She was a struggling single parent of two children and a freelance author and journalist. She was writing for a small town daily newspaper back in 1986 when she came up with a book idea, which eventually became Codependent No More. She wanted to write a book about what happens to people when they love someone who is addicted to alcohol and other drugs. She said of the idea, there were many books out there about how to help an addict or an alcoholic, but nobody was talking about how an addict impacts the lives of the people around him or her and how crazy you can become when you love someone who is addicted. Even though I was sober, I didn't know how crazy I could get until it happened to me. So 20, 20 publishers turned down Melody's book proposal and are probably really kicking themselves today. But her book eventually found a home and she locked herself in a basement office and she cranked out Codependent No More in three months, which is unbelievable considering how powerful it is. Codependent No More has gone on to sell over 3.5 million copies. And since then, she's written nine more books She's been on the pages of Newsweek and People Magazine and has been a regular guest on Geraldo and Oprah. And now, lucky me, she is a guest on I'd Rather Be Reading. Take a listen. This is such an honor for me. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're here with me. I'm thrilled to be here. I told you offline that, or off recording rather that this book changed my life. And it really did. It changed. I read it about seven or so years ago around the time I turned 30 and it truly changed the trajectory of really all of my relationships, not the least of which the one with myself and the one romantic partner. So I just really owe you a debt of gratitude. and, And so do millions of others that have read Codependent No More. So listeners, Codependent No More is a legendary book in the self-help space. It brought I think, Codependency Mainstream. It was originally published in 1986, which was actually the year I was born. And then it was revised in 1992. It was revised again this year. So I'd love to know what is new in this edition and why did you feel the need to add to the book? 
All right. In 92, they called it a revision, but it, it wasn't really the publisher. I don't know what exactly they did to the book, but there was no new content in it. Nothing significantly changed. This book has the best of the old with the best of the new. Uh, it was what? 36 years old. It was almost as old as you were by the time I went in and decided to deconstruct and then reconstruct with current language this mm -hmm. book. I was starting to cringe when I read it. It was like, oh my God, I'm talking <laughs> about getting a waterbed as a goal. Jeez. <laughs> it was the 80s. It was the 80s. It was the, the 80s when I wrote it. And it was written in a, in a different time and place. And I wanted to bring it up to speed because the information in it remains the same. Mm -hmm. It's the backdrop changes from year to year. Yeah. So I wanted to do that. And then when I wrote the original Codependent No More, I can still remember getting into my little cement office behind the washer and dryer with the kids running around the house. And I had outlined it. And I got to the last chapter in the book what's now chapter 21, but was in chapter 20. And I went, this doesn't feel right. There's something, there's something missing in here. And I went, I don't know what it is. And the little voice went, we can't write it then, can you? <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote what I knew and I turned it in. That was what, 36 years ago. Mm -hmm. I realized what was missing in that book. And it was anxiety and trauma. No, yeah. They leave such scars on our psyches and our lives. And we don't even know it. I mean, codependent no more should be required reading for anyone before they date. You said it. And that is the truest statement. Everybody <laughs> should read this book. I agree. It's, it's not a dysfunction so much as it is a human problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're, we're humans and we get into it. And I've been on this planet 74 years. The world is crazier than I've ever seen it. No doubt. So to expect more codependency issues, which is, which are relationship issues is completely normal. Well, and we're going to unpack for those that are not aware what codependency is in just a second. But I told you, I, I read this book around the time I was 30, man, the strife I could have saved myself through dating in my twenties, if I had read this book at 19, I mean, my goodness, I just think this book, any, anybody that not even just that endeavors to be in a romantic relationship, but just that is a person having a relationship with themselves, which we all are, this should be re more required reading than any book we ever read in high school. I think we're called even with our friends, you know, if absolutely. And our parents, our yes. parents, there's no relationship we're in because they all stem off this primary relationship we have. Absolutely. With yes, yes, yes. So as I said, the book is a game changer for me. I truly feel I am, you know, in a, in a wonderful space right now with my relationships. I truly feel like I'm able to have a healthy relationship with myself and healthier relationships with others because I read this book, but for let's take it, dial it way back down granular for those who have not read the book and maybe have never even heard of the term codependency. What is codependency and who has codependency generally? Anyone probably in a relationship with another human with issues 
probably is getting their their toes in the water of codependency from time mm -hmm. to time. It's just not possible not to do that. We're all human. And what it means is we get we get stuck or locked in to loving another human more than we love ourselves. Yeah. Or at the price of loving ourselves. And no relationship we're in, unless we're caring for a very young child that can do nothing to care for themselves, should take away from our ability to love ourselves. Yes. And we don't even notice when this is happening. We think we're doing the right thing. We think we're doing the thing that will prolong the relationship. We think we're doing the thing that will keep us from getting left again. And we're not, we're being codependent. Absolutely. So I am the, uh, I am an adult child of an alcoholic and codependency is especially prevalent amongst this group. I'd love to hear you. You do talk about this in the book, but why so? Why why are ACAs so drawn towards codependency? Well, that's that's the fertile field we were born in. We're used <laughs> we're used to all those emotions that go with living in as an ACOA, an adult child of an alcoholic, or mm -hmm. even a young child is an alcoholic, and we learn those responses. So we fit so easily in that same situation as we grow up, we're drawn to it, not from our hearts, but from our habits. Yeah. It, it, it feels comfortable. That's right. And that is some, that has been such a revelatory notion for me is that because my, the alcoholic is my father. And so what feels quote unquote, right or comfortable or safe or, quote unquote, like home is not, is not, is not no, right. Because, because <laughs> like, home so, was none of those yeah, things. Yeah. And so what, you know, what feels unnatural and different and quote unquote wrong is the healthy relationship. And so you have to retrain your brain to not go. So if it feel, if it starts to feel too comfortable for me, it might not be a good thing, you know? And so that's, that's really, that, that takes a lot of effort to shift that, but I'm sitting here telling you that after years of practice, healthy starts to feel really right and starts to feel really good. And it is possible to change. And in the book, you say behaviors of, of a codependent, as you write, quote, prevent us from finding peace and happiness with the most important person in our lives, ourselves. So that's, that's so true. And, and, and the key to me for un, unlocking my future of relationships, be they romantic or parental or friendship, or especially with myself is, is really honestly, COVID was terrible for everyone, but that was a beautiful time for me to fall in love with myself and to spend ample amount of time with myself and to really develop that relationship. So what are some behaviors that are typical of codependent people? Are you talking about in relationship or in relationship to ourself? Let's do both. I think both are fascinating. All right. In relationship to ourself, the world has made it so flippant easy to be codependent now. Yeah. Because we're provided with unlimited distractions mm -hmm. that will carry us away from where we belong, which is inside of ourselves, making home in ourselves. And the more we're distracted, the less we're aligned with self. We're, yes. we're just not in tune with who we are, what we want, and how our life feels. 
And so it's easy to go on this gambit of, oh, I'm going to change the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or it's their fault. I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for them. It's really easy to start blaming others for where we are and basically being quite unhappy with life. Mm -hmm. I don't know that we're all going to be happy all the time. I don't even, I don't believe that's possible, mm -hmm. but we can be at peace. Yes. And that goes yes. so much further than being happiness. Sometimes giddy happiness can take us off our path and out of alignment, but peace Peace will always do it. We need to learn the practice of getting peaceful first yes. before we make a choice, before we figure out what we're going to say, how we're going to say it. We need to stop this impulsivity mm -hmm. that we engage in because it's reckless for our own soul. It is. We're just running around the world, throwing information out, yelling at people, screaming, and, and it's of no avail. It's not helping anyone and it's not helping us. Mm -hmm. So to get quiet, to get peaceful, to get comfortable with who we are, then we can let the world do what it may and mm -hmm. we can do what we may and what we will. And it's a more aligned behavior. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what, co so I just pre-COVID was the busiest person you've ever met. And that's how I distracted. I couldn't stand the thought of being alone with myself. I hated alone. I mean, I called it extroversion, but what it was, was I just didn't want to face myself. And then COVID happened and all of my plans were canceled. I began working from home and it was either look in the mirror and begin to like who you're looking at, or it's going to be a really long, what I thought at the time was like three <laughs> months, ended up being two years, right? Um, but I want to, I want to go to the other side of that coin. That's how, that's how codependency shows up in the self. But what about with others? What if, let's take specifically romantic relationships. How does codependency show up in a, in a romantic relationship? Well, it will start by us usually being the chaser emotionally, mm -hmm. you know, feeling like we have to go after, if we don't go after, it won't happen. It's kind of an excuse to be obsessed in our own heads um, with our potential partner or our partner. The biggest way it shows up is we want to mirror their every need, their every risk. We, we want to devote ourselves to loving that person, mm -hmm. usually way, 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 way too soon before we've even established if it's someone that would be good for us. But if we click, we, we will get in maybe not verbally, but emotionally with both feet way too soon. Mm -hmm. And then we do the same thing as we do, like you were describing with our distractions. We get so distracted with the other person, what they might be thinking, what they're feeling, what they're going to do. Are we going to get married? Are we going to live together? Uh, what's going to happen? Do they really love me? And we will just completely wreck our peace. Yeah, absolutely. And whether we know it or not, other people can feel it when we're obsessing on them yeah absolutely and, and it doesn't feel good you know no. to, be, to be the center of someone's world that's a lot of pressure you know yeah. that's, that's yeah. impossible pressure and it, it, it won't work it won't sustain no it won't and what's amazing is how quickly they can feel it when we drop it, when we let go and we start focusing on ourselves and what Absolutely. we need to do, it can be a true game changer in any relationship when we start loving ourselves more. 
Yes. And it, it just really all stems. I feel like every issue that I have in therapy goes back to the same origin point. And that is that I felt as though I was not enough. And once I stopped believing that lie and, and started believing the truth that I am enough, then my self-worth quadrupled. I, I actually enjoy alone time. I mean, I prefer it sometimes, which I, I've gone on vacations by myself now that I can travel again, never would have done that before I had to reckon with myself. I mean, and let me tell, I'm, I'm just going to sit here and say that I'm living proof of, of this, of this answer of the question I'm about to ask you, but I want to hear you say it. Cause you're the expert. Can codependence change? Is it possible to change course here? Obviously, otherwise, why would you have written the book? But I want to hear you say it. It's inevitable that we change. If, if we're at all conscious, we're going to start seeing what we're doing, that the reason our hand hurts is because we're stepping on it. Mm. You know, um, we teach people how to treat us. Yes. We do. We teach them how we will let ourselves be treated. Yes. So the only one to look in the mirror at and get mad at if someone is treating us the way we don't like is ourselves. You know, wow. how have we allowed it? One question that's so significant for us to ask over and over and over in our lives is how did I get here? Yes. Yes. How did I get here? Yes. Do I want to stay here? Or what do I need to do to improve my life today? We're never going to have it all together. We're mm. never going to have it all together, but we can practice staying in touch with our souls, with our hearts, our souls, yes. being in alignment with ourselves for the rest of our lives. We can make that a goal. We need to make it a goal. And I believe as we go along, we develop much less tolerance for getting off base with ourselves. So yes, we can and do change. And if we practice new behaviors enough, it won't be acceptable going back to the old ways. We no, just, it's not. And let me we won't you, allow it. Yes, I'm there. And it's such freedom because I forever sought external validation. I even had a boyfriend right before um, I read your book that said in one of our many fights, you are addicted to affirmations. And I balked at that at the time, but then I sat down and thought about it and he was completely right. I was because my, my safety net, my, my security lied outside the self because I had no relationship with the self. So all of my security and safety lied in external validation, whether it, it had be to come from other people's selves. Yeah. Yes. Whether it be from a boyfriend or did I win this contest like was I up for homecoming queen in school did I win this did I was I class like all of those external validations and affirmations that that proved to me that I mattered and I was enough um but then a breakup happens and that shattered because you have no internal safety or security the best thing I've ever done in my entire life bar and other than my faith is is learning that I am safe within myself. And I do not need anyone else's approval, validation. I have given that to myself and that is enough. And I think that's a huge cornerstone of codependency. And it's a huge cornerstone of recovery. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now I'm able to, now my circle is much smaller. 
but it's so much more, it's so much better. And, and these are people that I truly want around me, not just because I feel like I need to fill some kind of void with tons of random people or the wrong partners around me. Uh And, you know, a huge step in walking through codependency is a concept called detachment, which of course you cover in the book. You, you know, listeners, you just have to read this book, but on a high level, can you explain for our listeners what detachment is? One of the things that people with codependency issues tend to do, or people that have been traumatized by loss and grief in their life Mm -hmm. is overly attach. We overly attach to people, places, and things, usually people. And when a codependent says, I think I'm getting attached to you, they really mean that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They really mean that. And I believe we're, at some level, we're looking for something we never got. 100%. Yeah. We never got. And that sounds kind of sickening to bring it up now, but nobody ever held us as a baby, or at least in a way that nurtured and nourished us. We never felt loved. We never felt wanted. I didn't. And I went into COVID with the same affirmation you had. I'm enough. I'm enough. I'm enough. I am enough. No matter what happens, I am enough. I am enough. I mean, over and over until I got it. Mm -hmm. And you get it. Yes, you do get it. The more, the more that you, it's like learning anything. Maybe like geometry was always difficult for me in school, but eventually if I kept trying, I would get it and I passed. And eventually Mm -hmm. with this, it, it was a deep, it was a deep, deep wound, deep but I got it. And when I got it, it changed my entire life. And, you know, you say in the book, one of the key cornerstones of being a codependent, we've talked about this a little bit is, is just not having a great relationship with the self. And you write, we don't like ourselves and we're not going to let our, God, this is so powerful. Oh my gosh, I could cry about this. And we're not going to let ourselves get any of the good stuff because we believe we don't deserve it. Deserve it. Yeah. And so you, you alluded to this a second ago, but where does this come from? Uh, you know, I know where it comes from for me. I'm sure you know where it comes from, from you, but is it rooted in childhood, adolescence? Where does, where does this feeling come from? Cause it's obviously wrong, but where does it stem from? It's going to be different for each person. I'm sure it is, but it starts when we were deprived of something fairly significant to our own growth growing up. That mm-hmm. could be love. It could be even a person to look over us, to come home at night and say, did you have an okay day? But we were, we're lacking in that. And if we don't get it long enough, we go, well, I must not deserve that. And it becomes a story we tell ourselves. Yes, yes, yes. It's mm-hmm. not even so much the incidents that happen, but without the benefit of codependency recovery, we turn an incident into a story, into a lifetime. That's it. Boom. That's it. I, I know, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to really go into it on here because, you know, I, I want to respect my family's privacy, but you know, something happened in the family. I believed that narrative that I wasn't enough. And then, then that, you know, instance turned into the narrative. And turned in, and I'm a writer by trade. So let me tell you, I can write a narrative. 
And I wrote this, I wrote the heck out of this narrative for 30 years about why I wasn't enough, why I had to people please, whether it be with men or my friends or whoever, be a doormat. My needs didn't matter because I'm just lucky to have them in my life at all. Right. And Mm -hmm. narrative continues. And I I want to, I want to quote you because I just, this is, this is so powerful. And the people that are listening that, that don't get it, I I pray that you get it. And the people that get it, get it like on a visceral level. Um, You write the love we give and receive will be enhanced by the love we give ourselves. It really does. I know this sounds cliche. It all starts with us and how we treat ourselves. And like you said, every relationship kind of rises and falls on how we treat ourselves first. You call it in the book, having a love affair with ourselves. And that's beautiful. So, you know, why, why is it so important to love ourselves first and to unbelieve the story that we've told ourselves about ourselves? Well, because we're going to keep ending up with what we've had so far, which is broken messes until we change. Mm -hmm. If we don't love ourselves, I mean, genuinely love and embrace ourselves, how can we expect anyone else to? Totally. Totally. And, you know, we, we said this a minute ago, but my normal or my comfortable, what feels right and natural to us is often unhealthy. If you're, if you struggle with codependency, including a lack of boundaries, that's, that's a huge part of of codependency. So when it comes to dating and, and I'm there, so I can tell you that it is possible. How can we push past feeling that what's quote unquote, right may feel wrong or unnatural and what's quote unquote wrong feels sadly like going home or like security to us. How can we flip the script in our brains? Well, it's, it's going to take time and it's going to take a commitment and it's going to mean for many of us slowing down, mm, yep. slowing down. So we know what's going on in here and in here, because when we go that fast, we skip steps. We just, we need to make, pre- we need to make sure we're present for each step of ourself and each step our soul takes on this journey of making a new relationship. And we don't have to like head trip it to death, but we do need to keep mindfulness about what we're doing when we're entering in a relationship. And it could, it could be so hard. We could sit there and go, I don't know if this is a good relationship or a bad one. I don't have a clue. Well, if we're not being harmed in any way, we can afford to wait, can't we? We can afford mm-hmm. to wait and see. One of the things that we do is this life and death marching band, drums playing, every decision we make is life or death. It, that, we don't have to get that much hype about our lives and our decisions and the things we do. It can be a gentler process of going with the flow, letting ourselves open up at a rate we're really comfortable with. If we ask ourselves, are you comfortable with this? And if we get quiet, ourself will let us know. No, not, not really. I, I'm just doing this because it's what I've always done. Mm. And it's all I know. And as for finding new ways, I've got a new, something new that's in the new codependent no more that wasn't in the old. And it's a phrase called our path to well-being. Mm. I believe we each have one in life. I believe we land on this planet 
And we don't have a clue about well-being or our path to it. But like you said, by the time we're 30, we're going to have, you know, how can I get on a path that's sustainable, that will support me, that will nurture me? And that's when we start looking inside to our soul, to our heart and our values. Who am I? Who am I in this world? Who do I want to become? What do I want to grow in myself? I'm a firm believer in written intentions too. If we can take, you know, even a couple weeks before we start dating and put out our intentions, not I want him to be, I want him to be this, or I want her to be this. I want her to be like this. Who do I want to be? Oh, yeah. Because we can't control what he does. You know, we can only truly control ourselves. And that was a game changer for me too. And, you know, I can control, I can't control what XYZ guy does, but I can control if I want to put up with that or not. Yeah. And we, we need to ask ourselves that it's so common when we begin a relationship to kind of go, oh, he doesn't really mean that. He didn't really mean that. And we will make excuses ad nauseum for the other person. Mm. Yes. Never excusing ourselves. We'll just go, there's no excuse for me. Oh my gosh. I'll excuse you for everything. Yes. Underscore that, please. Yes. I would make excuses for every man I ever dated. And, but I was not allowed to make any mistakes. I had, to, I was such a victim of perfectionism for so much of my life. And now I'm just like, look, here's the chips are down. I'm not perfect. Here I am. And I, and I love my imperfections and oh, that's so good. Um, there's, there's people listening right now that, that are not codependent who do not get, who do not understand (laughs) why this is so challenging for us because, you know, good for them. They had a fully fulfilled childhood, adolescence, you know, good on you. Seriously, not being sarcastic. That's awesome. But what would you say to those folks who don't understand codependency, don't understand that this is just basic human situation? And what would you say to those that say, well, duh, this is just how everyone should be born? (laughs) Exactly. With codependency, (laughs) as you were talking about it, the thing that kept coming into my mind was when we first get immersed in it, it's like getting thrown overboard Mm -hmm. and we just go deeper and deeper and we know we're drowning, but we don't know what to do to get out. And all the things we do to get out just make us drown more and we don't know what we're doing wrong. So we don't know what to do right And that's when we panic and we do really horrible things sometimes. Mm -hmm. So it is, it's, it's insidious. I I don't know why it becomes so challenging to be a human on this planet, Mm -hmm. but it does at times. And we are living in very challenging times right now as well. I, I, I for one was kind of grateful to be on lockdown. Mm-hmm. It took away all the stress of having to go anywhere, having to be anywhere, having to be out there. And I enjoyed the forced uh, hiatus, the forced solitude, the forced looking into myself, sorting out what I felt. I, I don't know. I just found it absolutely wonderful because society was going so fast. And whether we like it or not, right now, we are tapped in to the nervous systems pretty much everyone around the world 
-hmm. we go on our phones, we scroll, we tap into everyone's energy when we do that. All the anxiety surrounding whatever the latest news topics are. By the time we're done scrolling, most of us need some kind of pill <laughs> to calm us down yeah. or some kind of balm for our fingertips because mm -hmm. we've rubbed the skin off from them. But th there's so much anxiety right now. I think one of the biggest gifts in the new Codependent No More is the chapter on trauma and anxiety. Yeah, It's something I need to remember every day. I never do anything right when I'm anxious. I, I, I just don't. And I think the most important words we can live by right now are, you don't have to go that fast. It's oh, okay. That's so good. That's it's so okay good. to slow down. Slow down. Yes. I could talk to you all day. I have two questions left for you. This is, this is literally balm to my soul. So thank you for being here. But I, I've heard this said before. Many of our listeners probably have. The wound is not our fault, but healing is our responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I remember being, as you just beautifully described it, kind of like drowning in the water, flailing, actually making the situation worse, if that was possible. And just saying, how am I ever going to have the relationship that my heart desires, but it's, it's what's in my heart, but it's not, it's not my reality. It's not what's happening. And now that I'm on the other side of that, it does take concerted effort. Reading your book was a catalyst to begin that work. But what would you say to someone who was maybe like me six or seven years ago at the beginning of their journey? to become, to become codependent no more. What would you say to that person who feels overwhelmed and thinks maybe healthy relationships are just not possible for me? Well, some of the best people I know have thought that some of the people I know that are in excellent relationships have that mind, had that mindset at one point or another, but I would say that it, the course, the path of our life, starts in here our soul's connection to source our soul's connection to light we have been granted this incredible creative power to create a life we want with intention the problem is many of us have just been running around looking for yeah i just want i, I want some guy or i want some girl or i i, I want Someone, I need someone. I can't be alone. I mm -hmm. cannot be alone. I hate being alone. Why do I have to be alone and everyone else has a partner? Mm -hmm. We don't have to like anything, but we do need to accept it. We mm -hmm. need to stop the flailing. And we need to focus on our breathing and we need to get calm. And then we need to start out where we need to start. I usually suggest to people, they start where it hurts most. Yeah. Yeah. It's and hard. It's hard. It is. And pick one or two things you'd like to change. I would suggest right now with the times we're going through that anyone that can start meditating every day, find a meditation path, spend 20 minutes a day meditating. That is mm -hmm. such a great place to start. It, it can, it can be painful at first. If you're used to going too fast, slowing down and just calmly meditating 20 minutes a day can actually hurt 
Right. But once once we get used to that, once we start changing our patterns, if I miss a meditation, I, I, I can't imagine missing a meditation session now. I, I really can't. And I'm talking about a devoted meditation where we actually do a mind, a mental reset of our rhythms, whatever the proper name is for them, where our brain resets, our body resets, and we get into that place of peace. I need to meditate. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm one of those people that, that I've tried and it is, and it is painful for me to sit there for 20 minutes. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, my grocery list, I've got, you know, oh yeah, I forgot to do this, that take out the trash. And so I, I, that's inspiring to me because, you know, I've come a long way, but obviously we'll never be perfect, but um, I need to, I need to implement a meditation practice in my life. And I want to say one thing that I just want to get off my heart is that for me with a relationship with my father that is now good at 36, but was strained for most of my life, just based off of him, not physically being there, his, his absence, um, I use dating and men and especially marriage as if I can only get it right this time, then like if basically if I can get married and be chosen as I did not feel like I was chosen by what should have been mm -hmm. the central male figure in my life, then I will feel as though I am enough. Well, now uh, and that and that shows me to basically pick anybody you know that like it just choose the wrong men we'll just leave it there but <laughs> <laughs> like and, and and yeah we'll just leave it there but now marriage if it happens that's fantastic but if it doesn't that's also okay because I'm more interested in choosing a relationship that feeds my soul because I'm enough as like, and I, and I, and I know that sounds maybe cliche, but I truly actually can sit here with you and say that sincerely that I'm already chosen because I've already chosen myself. So I'm chosen like the narrative that I wrote that I wasn't worthy of being chosen because of X, Y, Z in childhood. That's a lie. I've proven that wrong. I've chosen myself. Boom. Chosen. If anybody else, if that happens outside of myself with anybody else, then that's just icing on the cake. But I, and so now I come to dating from a place of it's, it's not going to complete me. I'm complete. And that has been extremely transformative for me because now I'm not sticking around with relationships that aren't healthy. Um, mm -hmm. I don't suffer fools anymore. Like I used to, because I, I have that core relationship with myself. And this book just, you'll never know how many lives you've touched, but you're talking to one right now that you truly saved me from a marriage that we would be divorced by now had, had it happened. And I thank you for, for, for this book coming at the right moment in my life. And um, I don't want to make this all about me, but my last question for you is, let's say that someone's listening right now. And they go, okay, add to cart, codependent, no more, getting it for sure. <laughs> what do you hope readers get out of the book, specifically the revised edition, which has some really good 
um, really applicable things because you hadn't revised it in 30 years. And a lot has happened in our world in 30 years. And a lot has happened in the world of self-help in 30 years. So what do you hope readers specifically of the revised codependent no more get out of the book? I hope they get what's in there that they need for them. There, There's great resources in there. If someone is in trauma or in a crisis, go to the resources section. You should be able to get out of it by just going through there and calling the number. Uh, I hope I can share with every reader a deep peace and the belief you've talked about that they are enough, that each of us is enough. And those just those aren't just words. Mm. You could say it with meaning and, and with fulfillment. It's, I'm losing my headphones, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's so significant. It's such a game changer, like you said, when we begin to believe that. We can't see the impact of previous generations too much on our lives, but a lot of people say there is historical karma. There is um, psychological beliefs. I mean, in my mom's era, at the beginning of it, women couldn't even vote. Wow, yeah. Mm -hmm. Women couldn't buy homes in their name. They couldn't have mortgages. I mean, is it any reason we're wondering if we're enough? Um, marriage was done for the purpose of survival. Women needed a man to take care of them. When I started working, being a secretary or a nurse was about it for our choices, being a babysitter. So we've come a long way, but we're not that far from all the first steps to, on this journey the first steps of knowing we're enough and then getting to be enough. We're entering into a new age, the age of Aquarius, where there's more equality, where everyone's voice matters. And, and that causes a lot of the cacophony right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but our voice matters too. We just need to make sure that we're using it in a way that's helpful to other people and that we're loving ourselves. What's amazing to me is that the person who talked worse to me, that demeaned me the most, that did the most damage to my self-esteem, it's their voice that I imitate in my head in my darker moments. Totally. I mean, I, I I will abuse myself like I'm this the disowned stepchild over and over and over again and learning learning to not turn on ourselves in mm. our worst moments, not learning to not hold ourselves up to the light of the worst decision in our life every day for the rest of our lives. That was one moment in time. Move on, let it go, forgive yourself, make the changes we need to. But we need to nourish and nurture this relationship with ourselves. We need to open our eyes and hearts and see, you know, not talking about getting egotistical or narcissistic. Sure. I, I believe a simple, quiet humility is probably the best self-esteem there is in the world, 100%. especially now. Mm -hmm. And to stay in that space with ourselves and our friends and realize we don't have to make all that noise. If we need to set a boundary, we can usually do it pretty quietly. 
You know, it's, we, we just need to get into the flow of expressing who we are and trusting that that's perfectly imperfect. And it's enough. Each of us is enough, just as we are. If just we never we made one stride forward from this moment forward, which of course we will, I hope we all do, but we're enough. And that belief is what I got out of this book. And it has truly forever changed my life. It is an honor just to talk with you. I could talk, I could talk to you for days probably, but you'll never know what your work has meant to me personally. And, and I know, I mean, this is probably the most popular um, relationship self-help book that maybe ever was written. And so millions of others, and there will hopefully be millions more to come um, reading, reading the revised edition, Codependent No More 2022 Practical Guidance to Fix Your Codependency stop being a people pleaser. My gosh, stop being a people pleaser, everyone. And start loving yourself is a must read. Thank you so much for being here today. It, the honor is is mine. You are absolutely adorable. And I've enjoyed my moments with you. I have had the distinct pleasure of interviewing so many phenomenal people who have touched my life, both on this show and in other outlets. But this one... This interview touched my soul, and I don't want to be a name dropper, but I have had the honor of interviewing so many great people, and while I enjoy Tina Turner's music or fawn over Victoria Beckham and Diane von Furstenberg's clothes or enjoy watching Robin Roberts on Good Morning America or Kirk Herbstreet on College Game Day, this woman, Melanie Beattie, a name you should know, this woman changed my most intimate relationships for the better forever, not the least of which is my relationship with myself. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie. As we near the end of season five, we have a couple of conversations left you won't want to miss. Trust me on that one. As ever, stay tuned.